time this afternoon the people were asking, monks were asking about giving uh, Dhamma talks. And so, and just to explain uh, the coming from emptiness rather than from some kind of message or planned uh, uh, teaching. And when I went to live in uh, with Ajahn Chah, and he uh, and I had to learn uh, to speak uh, Thai language. I wasn't very uh, confident in speak in giving you know even an ordinary conversation. It took me quite a few years to feel confident in speaking another language. <coughs> so, uh, but he, he insisted after several years uh, of me giving uh, Dharma talks in Thai because there were no English, English speakers <laughs> at that time except myself. So, this was, uh, things seemed like an unfair request to me, my uh, Western mind, because I always see giving a Dhamma talk as some kind of like I'm teaching you something. I've got to convey something, I've got to give you something. Um, there's a, so much of the self-view involved in it, you know, and me sitting on this high seat, uh, you all looking at me, uh, and expecting me to say something or criticizing. Maybe you don't, you think I, I give terrible talks or you don't agree with anything I'm saying or, or you don't understand or you're confused or whatever. <coughs> so then I began to get the point of Ajahn Chah's request wasn't, you know, to set me up in a position to, as a teacher or some kind of attained monk or whatever that conveys great amount, great amount of wisdom to others, but mainly for my own benefit to observe what happens when, when you're put up in a prominent position. For example, uh, this is, this position being basically, say before I was a monk, I've always been rather a shy person you know, not like, not wishing to stand out or be, call attention to myself in public situations. So this was my, my personality was more of that, on that level of, you know, never trying to, trying to avoid putting myself in any kind of position where I could be criticized or stand out or be, you know, in such position as I'm in right now was a kind of nightmare scenario. <coughs> and I think Ajahn Chah kind of tuned into this and, and, and kind of challenged me with it. So it was more to be aware of what I did. And he said, I said, well, I, you know, I just knew I've really only been a monk a few years and uh, I don't have anything to teach. He says, you must. You have, must have something, you know, you, you've been practicing, you've been a bhikkhu for several years and practicing meditation, you must have learned something by now. You can share what you've learned with others. <laughs> that was a, you see, that was a, quite a new idea for me. Because I saw myself more or less as a, like I'd been a school teacher before, was aiming uh, professionally toward a, a being a lecturer in a university 
in Asian uh, history. So the, that kind of movement, that kind of aim on a personal level was one towards becoming a, an academic, uh, an authority on a particular subject, uh, being a professor, a lecturer, uh, these are these are positions uh, that uh, one uh, tries to move toward on a worldly level. <coughs> so then, as a bhikkhu, requested to give a talk in a language that you're not very good at or confident in, was brought up all kinds of uh, fears and self-consciousness and. Uh, all kinds of emotional things would would uh, arise during this time. But fortunately, uh, the, in Thailand, the Thai, uh, especially in the northeastern part of Thailand, people are, you know, they don't demand very much. Uh, just the fact that I'd open my mouth and say a few words seemed to please them no end. Whether they could understand even what I thought I was speaking, I don't know. <laughs> But they were good-natured enough to to uh, kind of encourage me. <coughs> so that was like forty, over forty years ago. And since then, of course, I've been in uh, giving talks and uh, and coming to the UK thirty-one years ago, and uh, on and on being a, becoming a teacher meditation teacher, uh, some people consider me a meditation master, uh, and uh, an authority, um, writing books. I don't write any books, these get printed. Other people edit them, because I, I don't like writing anything. <coughs> so, then of course, this can be seen as achieving and attaining, becoming, becoming well-known or a highly respected uh, figure in the Buddhist world. And so forth, is uh, getting titles from the king and being invited to garden parties at Buckingham Palace. This, <laughs> this can give you a sense of being uh, successful but the, what I've learned because of the basic uh, instruction of Lung Po Cha years ago, starting out with a self-conscious, anxious feeling, trying to express profound uh, insights with a language that I didn't feel very confident in speaking. Imagine that dilemma. You know, it's really quite, quite, uh, and, and yet, because of uh, kind of entrusting Lung Po Cha's intention. His intention wasn't to set me up as some kind of teacher, master, or authority, but to mindfulness, being aware, non-attachment, seeing the suffering caused through self-consciousness, through identity, through feeling of success or failure. of being praised, being admired, or being criticized, or blamed. Uh, so these were, this, these eight worldly dhammas, uh, lokatam pat, and these were constantly being uh, m emphasized uh, in, in the talks, as a, in the instruction of Lung Po Cha. <coughs> Getting to see the eight worldly dhammas, the, the uh, desire, you know, the Wanting happiness, not wanting to suffer. Sukha and Dukkha uh, are two. Wanting to uh, be successful and fear of failure. Lap and Yot, uh, wanting, you know, to be successful in, in, in whatever, whether it's in worldly ways or in spiritual ways, wanting to attain and achieve. Fear of being a failure, uh, being somebody that is a, 
uh, high status, respected, admired, and fearing uh, its opposite of being humiliated and rejected, and praised and blamed. So these are these are the eight worldly dhammas. Four are positive, you know, about happiness and and prosperity, success, respect, wealth, and the other and their opposite. These are called the Lokatampat in time, meaning the eight eight worldly eight dhammas of the world. Now you take these these eight dhammas and you you look at them in yourself, like in the, in monastic life, like here at Amravati. Uh, how you know just observing what praise does when somebody praises you, says how wonderful. Uh, you are or intelligent or wise or how good a speaker you are or how much they admire and respect you is like this or people telling you the opposite I can't stand you you <laughs> you give lousy talks and <laughs> uh, I don't know like this this is this is still you know dhamma isn't it whether we're being praised or blamed or uh, ad respected or disrespected, whether others, whether we're considered successful or failures, no matter, or whether we're happy or unhappy, this awareness of these eight worldly dhammas. So notice that there's the eight worldly dhammas, four positive, four negative, and awareness. The path to the deathless. Apamado amatapadang. To the amatapadang. So this amatapadang, amatapadang, the deathless. So this is, you know, this mindfulness then is the deathless. This awareness. And the eight worldly dhammas are the arising and ceasing of conditioned phenomena. As we, you know, and then the, then the uh, sense of oneself as a person, the conditioned self, the sakaya ditti, the ego, the personality, the sense of am I, uh, am I a good uh, monk or not? Am I a successful teacher or not? Have I attained anything? Have I, what have I attained after 42 years in the robe? And, or have I failed? Has it been a waste of time? How happy has it, this life brought me a lot of happiness or a lot of suffering? And so then on the personal level, there's these different ways of judging success and failure, happiness and suffering, praise and blame. But what Lung Po Cha was was emphasizing was mindfulness, being the knowing, the puto. So in uh, Wat Ba Pong in those days, they, they kept emphasizing puto as a as a kind of mantra, meaning the, in Thai they say puru, the one who knows that which knows the eight worldly dhammas is not the worldly dhammas. So the the puto then knows the eight worldly dhammas as anicca dukkha nada. They arise and they cease, depending like being praised is like this. You know, you get sometimes the conditions for being praised are present. So everybody says you're a great teacher, and sometimes the conditions for being uh, criticized and condemned is you're a lousy teacher. It's not, you know, it's not a permanent state, is it? And yet the ego thinks that it can, can really grasp. It says, I'm, today somebody said I was a terrible teacher and I felt so depressed and deflated and upset. Is like this. So by investigating your experience in this way, 
you you know you have to be willing to suffer with it to be uh, rejected and humiliated and be seen as a failure or its opposite being successful and praised but the the emphasis is on the puto on awareness not on success or failure so the ego <coughs> the or the sakayaditi is uh, you know it can be successful uh, sometimes the conditions for feeling everybody considers you personally a successful samana or a failure these are dependent conditions aren't they? they they they're not permanent they're anatta they're not self they're lokatampat they're eight worldly dhammas they seeing them that which is aware of them is then the refuge in puto in awareness apamado mindfulness heedfulness attention in the present so if you keep now this is a continuous practice you know it's a you know everybody gets bored with practice and they want to they go off to this kind of experience and that kind of therapy and everybody here has been through so many different uh, experiences uh, seeking uh, inspiration or encouragement or confidence in some way I don't know how much you really depend on that in this life but what I'm pointing at is is learning to trust this awareness get to know it it's uh, to be recognized it's reality it's real it's recognizable so the feeling of disappointment or feeling you're getting nowhere in your practice is like this your feeling of boredom or uh, feeling uh, critical of Amravati is like this so you get you live here long you know a few years and you get bored with it and and with the bored listening to me and or you, you get bored with with monks and nuns and problems that arise in Sangha and you want to go somewhere else well that's a conditioned state isn't it the sense of uh, I, I want you know I don't like this place anymore I want to go somewhere else is like this so th what I'm pointing to is a determined not I'm not trying to convince you to stay here but to use whatever you're feeling for with awareness with sati and panya wisdom because we all you know we you know I myself get gone through all kinds of dreary plateaus in monastic life where you're just bored with the whole thing kind of you see monks and you just don't want to know them anymore nuns and all this stuff all the problems that arise and doubts and blames and suspicions and meetings endlessly trying to work out and solve all the problems and come to grips with the with what's really gone wrong in this monastery and why we have to make it right and have harmony and all the rest I've been through that innumerable times so you see a pattern of discontentment and uh, and personal love and hate liking disliking inspiration criticism there were eight worldly dhammas so this sense of of refuge then in buddha dhamma sangha is uh, you know this is this isn't something just to to memorize in pali but to actually what is this in the reality of now because there's only the now Pachubhanantamma 
And there's a little uh, thing that uh, embroidered statement of mine. The past is a memory, the future, the unknown, now is the knowing. <coughs> Something like that is a reflection. That's not Buddhist doctrine. I don't mean to tell you that, but it's, it's like a, refle it's a reflective teaching. Something to, what is the past right now? So it's not about, well, the past, you know, I did this in the past. I was born 74 years ago, <laughs> that kind of thing. But I mean, right now, sitting here on this uh, high seat, is a, you know, and I think of just the having tea with the monks. That's, that's a memory now. That was only a couple of hours ago. But that's a memory at this moment. Just affirming this, noticing that having tea with the monks a couple of hours ago. And right now, that's a memory. A memory's like this. Sanyakanda. Isn't that? It's, a, it's in putting it in the kanda reference, the five kandas. <coughs> So a memory arises and ceases, isn't it? it, it uh, I don't have this memory all the time. The conditions for remembering having tea with the monks today has arisen, so then this memory is like this. A memory is anicca, isn't it? It, it begins and ends, arises, ceases, and there's nothing much to it, you know. You know, as far as it has no sense of a kind of permanent sense of mind. It's very ephemeral, like compared to soap bubbles or foam on the sea. So the past is a memory. Well, that takes care of every, all your past, everything. Uh, the, you know, this morning, tea time, yesterday, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. So you're, you're simplifying everything. You, that which is aware in the present, puto, is not a, is not, it's not a memory, is it? It's attention, it's mindfulness. It, it, it's not me trying to be mindful. It's purely the imminent act of paying attention, being alert, reflective, open, receptive to the eight worldly dhammas, to the condition, um, conditions that arise and cease in this present moment. So memory of tea with a monk today is this. There's no need for me to become obsessed with this memory. It wasn't anything that significant. <laughs> but uh, it is a memory, whether it's a pleasant or unpleasant memory. It's a scene, and not in terms of pleasant or unpleasant, exciting, interesting, or a waste of time, or whatever. It's like this. A memory is a memory. Not, we're not interested in its quality, of whether it's a, an important memory or a stupid memory, but it is a memory. You see what I'm pointing at? To see, this puto is aware of sanya. Panya, in other words, wisdom discerns sanya, or memory. Sanya can't know anything about panya. So, you know, you're trying to you think, I've got to try to be more wise or get more wisdom. That's all sanya. That's all based on, I'm somebody who needs to get something I don't have. I've got to be more wise than I am. Or, I've got to get rid of my ignorance. I've got to be mindful. All this is, is, is sanya, it's not panya. So panya then is, uh, mindfulness, sati, and panya, they, these two words go together in the Pali uh, language. 
So satipanya is a very is simplicity. It's awareness, discerning. So this is like skillfully using these Pali teachings. Are they they're very useful, very skillful if you use them rather than just grasp and form opinions about them. <coughs> And the future is the unknown. So the, this is right now, sitting here in this high seat. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <laughs> People keep asking me uh, to go different places and give retreats. So I could, you know, not... 2009, 2010, 11, 12, I don't know, I don't know if I'll be alive that long. And it's nice being popular, isn't it, when you're an old monk like this. Usually you're sent off into the nursing homes at my age. <laughs> Become a couch potato watching television. No, I get invited to fascinating places, Sri Lanka, Czech Republic, Russia, Japan. <laughs> <coughs> that's, uh, that's about the future, isn't it? The future is the unknown. I'm just talking about this, it doesn't mean I've doesn't mean it's not a dogmatic statement about the future, but at this point, right now, this being sitting here in this high seat, the future it hasn't happened. It's not a memory. The future I have no memory of the future, but I ha the memories arise uh, uh, of past experience. But there's still awareness without a memory, isn't it? And so then I can project things into the future, like I will go to give a retreat in Portugal next year. I've written that down in my diary. <laughs> uh, and in Italy, I've got that down in my diary. <clears throat> Going to Japan next April, it's written in my diary, but it's still the unknown, isn't it? It's not a memory, it's a possibility. It's probability. It's maybe, might be, would like to, could be, and yet it couldn't happen also. Things, uh, you know, things happen between where you know, the best laid plans and so forth fall apart. You can't do it. So the future then is put into the they, the future is the unknown. So the un not knowing is like this. Now what is it like, what is it right now not to know something? From Bhutto, from awareness. It's nothing, isn't it? Not knowing is, it makes your thinking mind stop because you you're not instead of projecting making your plans and and uh, uh, all about going to Japan next April and doing this and doing that that's planning for the future but right now the reflecting you know m contemplating Dhamma the future is unknown and not knowing is like this there's a knowing of not knowing Bhutto knows is a knowing of not knowing, is like this. Knowing, discerning, not knowing. Discerning the memory, tea uh, today with the monks was like this. So it's discerning, isn't it? It's not, not saying anything uh, about whether it was, it's good or bad, right or wrong, but it is a discerning ability Panya is discernment. Condition 
uh, is uh, memory is a condition. But the future is in the memory. So what do you do with the, about the future? What is it? What do we do with the future? We plan for it. We 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 always think we've got to do something now to find success or happiness or enlightenment in the future, don't we? How many of you still meditate the idea of of practicing in order to get something to attain enlightenment in the future? And so you think, right now I'm not enlightened, I'm <clears throat> but I hope that I will be in the future. Or maybe Maybe you don't think so much of yourself that you think, I don't think I could ever achieve enlightenment, so I just hope I get a better rebirth in the future. Uh, if you believe in rebirth. <laughs> but it's the, the future is the unknown. And then when you, knowing the unknown, is the thinking process doesn't operate. It's like a blank a non-plussing of the thinking process is like this. Don't know. Not, not knowing is like this. So this Bhutto discerns, isn't it? This awareness. Discerns not knowing. And knowing uh, a memory is a memory. All conditions are impermanent. Sape sankarani cha. Or, you know, this is, this is a reflection again. Reminding yourself. All conditions are impermanent. It's not, not about the quality of the condition, whether it's a really important one or a stupid one. Conditions are, they arise and they cease. And so then pursuing this, this simple teaching, you know, in, in life here, in the mon monastery, as you experience it, the way you are, your feelings of love and hate, liking, disliking, your own feelings about yourself, whether you're good enough or not good enough, or, uh, you know, whether you can or can't, or whatever. It's not the issue then to to be the puto rather than the person that believes in the sanya, in the habit tendencies of sanya, of memory, of self. Sakayaditi is all about sanya. So, and your emotional nature is about sanya. My sensitivity, my, my feelings, my, my um, loves and hates, my fears. <coughs> These are, this is all about sanya kanda, sanya sankara, that we, we bind ourselves to. And of course then, they, then we're always a kind of helpless victims of circumstances. Praise and blame, you know, we, if, we're, if we're caught in that, then we, then we have to feel praise all the time in order to be happy, to feel secure. You have to be praised and, and admired and be considered successful in order to feel secure about yourself, have any confidence. You need constant reinforcement of Yes, you're wonderful. Yes, you're good. You're a good teacher, great meditation teacher. You're very virtuous. You're a wonderful person. We all love you. We like this, don't we? It makes us feel good. <clears throat> and then, then the opposite. You know, you, we dread that. Dread being criticized and looked down on and despised and humiliated and so forth. And this is, this is, you see, the ego is such a 
delicate thing. It's so dependent on conditions, on how you feel, you know, whether the sun's out or not. And you, you were dependent on the people in the community. And then we feel when somebody we admire disrobes or leaves, we feel, you know, something, we feel hurt or grief or loss. Doubt, because maybe our commitment to this life was based on, you know, somebody else's commitment. We need role models and examples, uh, exemplary monks and nuns to, to make us feel secure that we've made the right decision, we're doing the right thing. <clears throat> so we, when somebody we admire uh, suddenly says, I can't stand this life anymore, I'm leaving. I'm getting out, goodbye. What do you feel? Your ego, isn't it? Memory, sanya, sakaya ditti. Now that's, that's normal, you know, on that level, not to say you shouldn't feel anything, but to use, the, I'm encouraging you to wake awaken to the feeling, your emotional needs and expectations and fears are like this. So you're, you know, no matter what happens, uh, you know, on the eight worldly Dhamma levels, it's not really terribly important if you trust in this simple path of awareness. Because you find your strength your security in awareness, not in being successful person, a successful samana, admired and respected. It doesn't doesn't matter really. Because your strength lies in awareness, not in dependency on the eight worldly dhammas being in your favor. Because they are very, you know, like now they're <coughs> trying this uh, Radovan Karajik or whatever, one of those people that they've been looking for 13 years, uh, Bosnian, uh, uh, who they, they're trying now in, in Holland, you know, for uh, crimes. One time he was a leader of, you know, movement towards protecting the, the Bosnian Serbs from the Bosnian Muslims and on and on like this. I don't know that much about it, but this is what you read in the paper. So there's always this sense of, you know, great chief, great leader, revolutionary fighter for my people, and now he's the world's criminal, being tried in an international court for genocide and worst possible accusations. These are conditions changing, aren't they? Whether you're a great leader, revolutionary, protecting your country, liberating it from uh, uh, threatening out external threats, or you are a disgraced monster being tried in an international court. Now that's an extreme one, isn't it? But uh, there's a good example of Sakyaditi, Sanya Kanda, Sanya Sankhara. <coughs> it's dependent, isn't it, whether you're considered a hero or a monster. That's relative to other conditions, who you're with, time and place, But <coughs> puto is not dependent on conditions. It's all about here and now, awakened, conscious, awareness, discerning the way it is. So you notice in Buddha Dhamma, this, this simplicity, uh, the Buddha actually is uh, pointing towards simplicity because on a condition level, it's all very complicated. <coughs> 
and then the world, the problems of the world, of the the economies, of the politics, of social problems, and and environmental problems. They're just beyond any single individual's capability to to get any real a clear vision on all of that. It's just so one thing goes on to the next. Such a complexity based on, you know, on on so many other conditions. That the only way one can get any perspective on that is not through trying to just specialize in particular fields of conditioned phenomena, but in getting to the very source, to pure consciousness, the simplicity of awareness, mindfulness, puto, is this. Then cultivating that, this is what bhavana really is, is cultivating this, so that it, in cultivating, is, is applying it to the flow of your life, whether, you know, your great, your favorite monks or nuns leave. Uh, disillusion with the life is like this. And you feel doubtful and uncertain and, and uh, critical of the convention, critical of uh, Buddhism and so forth. It's like this. So whatever happens, your your encouragement is towards awakened awareness rather than trying to <coughs> sort it all out and try to get, you know, try to fix all the things you find wrong with it and try to, uh, you know, trying to keep keep working on that level of conditioned phenomena is it's endless. One thing goes on to the next. And that's the way the conditioned realm is. It's all, we're always trying to fix it and make it work and do what we want it to do. Trying to create uh, a world that will be perfect. A perfect society, a perfect relationship, perfect family, perfect whatever. You know, there's an ideal, good ideal, but in terms of Dhamma, this is about conditioned phenomena, isn't it? It's not, these conditions are changing. They're not static. They're not like fixed conditions that, that you can arrange. And once you get them arranged properly, they'll stay that way. Isn't it? You, whatever you do, it's always changing. And yet on an ideal level, you can create an ideal society in your head, I can, you know, how I would like ideal monastery to be. And, uh, you know, I can, I can create that. But that's not the way, that, that's another creation, that's a condition based on sanya, sankara, not on panya. So, in terms of creating the perfect ideal monastery, I've been a total failure. <clears throat> but then there aren't any perfect monasteries. <laughs> so, because monasteries aren't supposed to be perfect, they're like this. You know, they're, they're, they're the way they are at this moment, it's like this. So in this way, you you begin to lose your interest in trying to sort everything out and, and uh, work, solve all the problems, uh, answer all the questions, but in, in really seeing the value and the opportunity that's made available here toward this bhavana practice. And then applying that to every, when especially when it's, when, you know, when you when you're uh, the object of wrath or criticism, you know, when when people you've 
you've trusted to turn against you, things like this, being betrayed by others or disappointed. You know, all these, these, are, part, these are conditioned experiences we all can have in this life. But the, the, how willing are you to cultivate when you've been hurt, emotionally hurt and wounded? You see what I mean? This is, where, this is the challenge. When the life no longer inspires you and, and uh, you just see everything through a critical eye, is like this. When your heroes have fallen off their pedestals and when you're being blamed for something unfairly, and these are the worst scenarios, but you can actually use them for satipanya. Don't expect monastic life to be a kind of easy ride where everybody just loves you and helps you and is nice and, and supportive and I'm here for you to be here for you and help you in your suffering, that kind of thing. You know, it's, they're not that way. We try, you know, compassion is a part of our life, but also we learn from the unfairness of it, the disappointments, the disillusionments. The thing that, that we, uh, ha you know, is the, the moral commitment, the, the sense of our commitment to uh, not, intent, not using our, our uh, bodies and speech, being, you know, not for harming or, or deluding or deceiving others or ourselves. So it's a dana sila, generosity. So it isn't just a, as Pope Benedict says, autoeroticism. We're not just here to play with ourselves, in other words. <laughs> I mean, we, there is, you know, Pope Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, said Buddhism is the form of autoeroticism. Sounds like masturbation or something, doesn't it? But it, it means, you know, like, like being so obsessed with yourself, you know, my practice. But this is not what I'm saying. It's not about just, you know, this is, I'm going to get this for myself, but seeing the nature of self. And then in Sangha, Supatipano Ujupatipano, isn't that? This is, this is, Sangha is not a personal thing. It's not about me as a person and myself and my practice. It's practicing in the right way. This, uh, this supatipano is mindfulness. Bhavana. Uju patipano, yaya patipano, samiji patipano. It's, it's, it's a cultivating mindfulness in our lives here or wherever we happen to be. So now is the knowing, isn't it? This sense, this sense of knowing. Consciousness, again, I, I like to reflect on this word because it's, this is, a, in English, the word consciousness is, uh, people don't, don't know what it is, really. And yet, we're all experiencing consciousness. Anyone not conscious at this moment? Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all experiencing it, isn't it? It's, it's right now. And where is it? What do you mean by consciousness? And, and uh, uh, look in the Pali Dictionary. What do they say? And how do the Mahayana, uh, how do they, how does uh, uh, Nagarjuna, how does he define consciousness? And what are the, the Freudians and the Jungians and the, Psychi uh, psychiatrists and all this kind of thing. 
consciousness. You don't need to know what somebody else says because you're experiencing it. You know, we, we think we don't know when we don't have somebody else's view to operate from. And it's on the personal level, isn't it? Uh, Sakya Ditti, <clears throat> it's always dependent on, I've read uh, all the, the texts on this subject, on consciousness, on modern psychotherapy, on modern psychiatry, all the experiments and, uh, and the various uh, Abhidhamma views on consciousness and you acquired a lot of information about consciousness without awareness of consciousness. So you might have a lot of opinions and views about it, but that's not it, isn't it? That's sanya kanda, conditioned phenomena. So consciousness is this, you know, this, uh, you, you, consciousness is this knowing, awareness, sati, sampachanya, sati panya. So mindfulness, the path to the deathless, these words repeating over and over. Mindfulness is the deathless. Now this is not a doctrine, so I'm not saying this to grasp or to be quoted, but to be reflected on. And you, when you just think of the, this is the panya or discerning or wisdom teaching, you're working through, you know, if the past is only a memory in the present, then everything that you acquire from the past is just that, it's a memory in the present. It's a nicha dukkanata. So, you know, you're all, everything in your past is just soap bubble, really. Foam on the sea. <laughs> and, and not to dismiss it, but to put it in, in a context that you're no longer seeking your identity or depending on on memories from the past for your, to, for you, for your sense of your self-importance. <clears throat> you know, the ego, we depend on our past, what I've done in the past. When you get my age, you hear old people talking about, when I was a young whippersnapper. <laughs> so you, you talk about your past. Or you feel, you know, you've wasted your life, your past, and you haven't been able to succeed in, in, in what you've set your life goals out for. Life has been a dreadful disappointment. That's Sakya Ditti. Now Sakya Ditti is not an insult, it's just, it's just a label to, to point to, to this uh, created sense of self, a grasping of memory from the past. And then the future is the unknown, so it's nothing. It's, it's this, don't know. And now is the knowing. So there's knowing then, consciousness, isn't it? It's conscious, it's intelligence, it's discerning. It's not, it's not a kind of zombie, uh, kind of going into, a, into some kind of void of nothingness. It's alert, attentive, intelligent, knowing, discerning. It's panya, in other words, wisdom. And that's now. Pachubanadam, it's not about doing something now to get it in the future. You miss the whole point if, if, you're, if you think, oh, I've got to sit till midnight tonight in order to develop mindfulness so that in the future You've missed the whole point if, if, if you don't see through that basic premise that, uh, that the ego operates always from this sense, I've got to practice now in order to get something for the future. So this is, this is like an encouragement to trust yourself more in this awareness. Uh, explore it, investigate. Uh, so you, you see it for yourself, the, the meaninglessness, the pointlessness of, of endlessly grasping at soap bubbles. <laughs> <laughs>
things that have nothing in them. You know, like these bubbles that you get at parties where you blow and you get beautiful bubbles and then you grasp one and there's nothing. Where did it go? That's what sanya is. <laughs> it can be, you get a big ones, big, you know, they look quite enormous or little ones, but they're all empty with nothing left. Once they're punctured, uh, there, there's nothing left of them. So this is that, but this awareness, is, is when they talk about sustainability, isn't it? Uh, environmental sustainability. This is the, in Ajahn Jayanto's talk the other day. Sustainability is the, the in word. We've got to find a way that's sustainable. Sustainability is the, the, the word of the, the time. Like modern market capitalism is not sustainable. Oil, dependency on oil for uh, progress and development is not sustainable. We've got to find an energy source that's sustainable, that's, that isn't dependent on, you know, like oil is coming, you know, it's reached its peak, 64, it peaked, and now we're on the downhill slide. That can be very threatening, isn't it? What are we going to do without oil? You know, everything's dependent upon oil. And so this sense of, you know, loss of fear when things are, when, when the conditioned realm is no longer on its upward movement, you know. It's, 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 it's reached its peak, then it's going down. It's like this. But that awareness is sustainable. Self-sustaining. Because it's not created, it's not from ignorance, it's not a condition, but it, it's recognizable, it's reality, it's real, recognizable. And so this is the, this you have to, to know for yourself. You know, there's words, these are just words that I'm saying now, like any other words. But they're words meant towards encouragement and awakening, not towards conditioning you or teaching you anything or that you should, telling you what you should or shouldn't do, but an encouragement to use your life as a way of reflecting, you know, being able to learn from the eight worldly dhammas. That which is aware of the eight worldly dhammas is not the worldly dhammas. So we thought, say that bhuto, tamo, sankho. Is bhuto is awareness here from this point. Awakened, conscious awareness, seeing dhamma, knowing reality, and cultivating this within the karma of this being here, Anjan Samedha. Whatever, wherever that, whatever happens to that condition is, is not really the issue. You know, the good health, bad health, success, failure, whatever, is, is not really terribly important. You know, like anything, I hope I have a good health and die you know, in a painless way, like the ego, that we all want that. <laughs> and uh, it'd be nice to just die painlessly. Uh, but the um, future's the unknown, isn't it? Death is, death of the body hasn't happened yet. So it doesn't really matter at this moment, here and now, the, the awareness is this, is like this. Trust it. And the future will take care of itself. You, you'll be able to, to, to learn from whatever happens to you, you know, physically or mentally or whatever, if you trust this, if you, if you cultivate awareness. <coughs> 
So I offer this for your reflection.